Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Hey, glad you're here. Glad you're listening. My name is Bruce, uh, lead pastor of Valley Lights, and we are uh, in the middle of a message series called Relationship Glue. And in this series, we're looking at God's relational guidelines that help us build trust with people. And what do you do if you've damaged trust or, or relationships are getting off track? We, in this series, we're going to see how when we take God's approach, it results in a kind of glue that makes us really strong and cohesive. And really, it makes relationships really enjoyable over the long haul. For years, relationships could become a delight, not a grind and a pain. And I bet you'd probably love to have some strong, enjoyable relationships. So what we're doing is we're walking through our core, uh, actually seven core values that we have as a church. We call them the heart attitudes. And they're statements that, they're not gimmicks, they're actually summaries of core New Testament commands that even the earliest Christians practiced. And we believe that these are going to create a culture Actually, I've personally experienced how these values create a culture that help us be effective towards the mission that Christ has given us. And so these are commands, these heart attitudes or these core values are things that we practice over and over, week after week, year after year. And first in the series, we looked at heart attitude number one, uh, which is to put the goals and interests of others above my own. Because we default to a me above you approach to life, and we've got to break that. Uh, Last week, we started looking at heart attitude number two, which is to live an honest, open life before others. And we started looking at that. We we focused especially on the aspect of being honest. Because whenever we deceive people, we're not upfront about things, or we trick, or we hold back information, it really damages relationships. I mean, if you've ever been lied to, then you know that. Or if maybe you've broken trust with somebody because you weren't totally honest with them. If you know that pain and that experience, then this may be relevant to you. So we're spending a second week on this hard attitude because, uh, you know, first we looked at, hey, how do we stop the damage? How do we, you know, we need to stop lying, stop deceiving, really start being honest. But beyond that, there's a whole nother level of relating and relationships. There's actually a much deeper, richer experience with people that comes from being open, not just honest. Let me give you an example. When I was dating my wife, and we were just a boyfriend, girlfriend at the time, uh, there was at one point where we're driving along and I was in the middle of, uh, my, my family was breaking up and uh, we were living in two different houses and um, parents and siblings were, were breaking up, and it was a really difficult time in my life. And my girlfriend at the time, Erin, she had asked me about it. She's like, so how are things going with that? And you know what? That was way too personal. That was, that was a, um, I wasn't ready to be open with that. I didn't want to talk about it. And honestly, she, she's probably, at the time, the person I, I trusted more than anybody but I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to be open. I didn't want to discuss it. Part of me didn't really know how to process what I was feeling, but more of it was I, am not, I was not used to being open with anybody about how I really felt about things. And honestly, it was, it was just often the case 
in my life growing up and even in my adult life that I would hide how I was feeling. In this situation with uh, Aaron, though, I couldn't hide the fact that I was hiding something because when she asked me, I just shut down. I didn't respond to the questions. I didn't even, I didn't even acknowledge the question. I didn't even want to go there. And I, I have, I've come a long way since then, but it's been, a, it's been a real fight and a battle for me to learn how to be open about personal matters. And, you know, here in Santa Clarita and in Southern California, of all places, I think a lot of people want to just act like we got it all together. We're good. I don't need anything from you. I don't need your help. I don't need to open up about things. If I got struggles, which I don't, I'll handle it on my own. A certain level of independence is good, but overall, the approach of being closed turns out to be pretty isolating. Because if I'm not open, people can't really know who I am. If you're not open, then people can't really know who you are. So what's an open life? In the New Testament, after Jesus rose from the dead and the early church was formed, Paul was one church leader who wrote in order for the church to grow as a healthy unit. And he, he wrote about some ways that we can, we, really we need to trust each other. In Ephesians 4.15, he said, instead, instead of doing lying, tricking, deceiving, hiding, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And the, the word for truth there, it's originally written in Greek, the Greek language, and that word truth is uh, aletheia. And really what it means, if, if you were to look more into what that means, it means not hidden, uh, free from concealment. Not hidden, free from concealment, really exposed to being known. And so truth, truth is something that's not concealed. It's not hidden. Things that are there, there's things, if, if truth is there, you know it. And so when it comes to us speaking the truth, living the truth, walking in the truth, it means we're not to be people that hide things. Not every single thing that you think or do should be shared publicly. <laughs> of course not. But we can't have a pattern of hiding things. So as we go through the New Testament, you actually find a pretty strong contrast between walking in the light, which is to be like Jesus, or walking in darkness, which is to be like Satan. I've, I've listed numerous passages in the details, um, but uh, here, here's one verse that describes about this. John 8:12. Jesus spoke to them again. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light. He loves the truth. He is the truth. It's, you know, imagine if you're playing hide and seek. It's pretty hard to hide when you're like in full sun. <laughs> you got a spot that's just full bright. Um, you know, it's hard to hide things in the light. We are to voluntarily step into the light and walk in it. Also in Colossians, Paul, Paul writes a prayer he says, I give, you know, we're, we're, we need to give thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. From darkness into light. And that's a great thing. That's something that causes great joy and excitement. Really, maybe it's hard walking in the light, but man, how good and refreshing it is. 
And I want to actually let you hear from somebody from our church. Throughout this series, um, each heart attitude, you'll hear at least from one or two people that have experienced the importance and the value of it. So uh, listen to a story from Barry, one of the guys on our team. As I was learning about heart attitude number two, I realized that uh, one of the things that was standing in the way of me building, uh, you know, deeper relationships and being known by more people was that uh, I'm a pretty outgoing person, but um, I also can use that to project an image that's not real. It's, it's just kind of what I want people to see of myself. And uh, this really, really harmed developing deeper relationships because people couldn't really see who I was. And um, um, I had a roommate uh, that kind of helped me see this and maybe it was the first person that I'd been in a relationship with close enough that I could see this, but uh, we, we, you know, he was, he went to the church that I went to and we practiced the hard attitudes and, um, he wasn't, it was, it was kind of a strange friendship. He was a person that didn't really threaten me. I didn't feel like I had to impress him. He was like a really just, just a normal dude, uh, that I really connected with. And, uh, honestly, we were very different people. He's a very quiet engineer and I am loud and not an engineer. And uh, he, he basically, we had such a friendship where I could just be myself that I started to see that in my relationships, and he and I became really, really good friends. It was a very weird thing when you become such good friends with somebody that's so different than you. And I was like, there's something going on here. And it just brought up my attention that um, I was not living open with the people around me. I was trying to convince them or, or show them how good of a person I was or how great I am, uh, but I wasn't showing an accurate image of who I was or where I stood in things. I was just trying to impress people. And this friendship helped me see uh, that by doing that, um, I was losing a lot. Uh, number one, people couldn't know me, uh, which meant there wasn't really a lot of trust built. Uh, number two, people couldn't see when bad things were going on in my life. So I couldn't get help from people or, um, you know, kind of if, if somebody saw something that could be helpful to me, uh, they couldn't bring it up. And then um, also just, I guess, just the depth of relationships. I, I didn't really get to know other people because I, I didn't really want them to completely know who I was either. And so um, I'm really thankful that I started to live uh, more open and honest in my um in my relationships uh, because it's helped me build a lot of great friendships that I wouldn't trade for anything. Barry talked about his journey of uh, becoming more open and honest. And, you know, I, I've, I've been on my own journey <laughs> of that. And there's really, there's all kinds of reasons that we keep parts of our lives closed off. Man, I just, maybe I don't want people to know those things about me. Uh, maybe it's because I'm not really sure how people would respond. Or maybe, maybe I'm not going to be open because I just want to keep living the way that I want to live and opening up might invite some pressure for me to change what I'm doing. Or maybe one real big reason is when I've been open in the past, I got burned and that was a bad experience for me. We'll actually talk a little bit more about that. But what if, what happens if we just decide to stay closed off and we live a closed life. One thing that happens is we 
it generates distrust with people. You know, I've, I've actually had some family members tell Aaron, my wife, um, man, we don't really know what Bruce is thinking. And like, you know, my sisters or her sisters or other people, and this was, you know, in the early years of marriage because I thought that the strong, silent type was an admirable way to live and respectable. And it's really, it's, be, I really, it's hard for me to, to uh, be real verbal and expressive and share who I am. And, you know, there's personality, but beyond personality, I just really preferred to keep things to myself. And I just didn't give these people in my life all that much to go on. And I've learned that, I hate to say it, but people tend to assume the worst. If there's, not enough, if, there's, if there's nothing communicating affection in the relationship, people tend to assume the worst about it. Actually, I, I do the same thing. And so it didn't matter that I had all kinds of positive feelings and thoughts about my family members. If I wasn't sharing or communicating or expressing what I thought, and I was just staying kind of quiet and to myself, who knows what's going on in there. There's this interesting quote that says, not telling the truth is the quickest way to turn yourself into a stranger. Kind of like I was a stranger to even some of my family members. If we make a pattern of concealing things about ourselves, people just sort of back away, wondering what's true, what's questionable, how do I even know? Because, I mean, you probably know this too, we, we just don't trust people who are secretive. We don't trust people that are really private. What's going on in there? In a similar way, a closed life prevents genuine relationships. Because if I'm not open, people can't know who I really am. Uh, but look at what John says. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I have gotten tremendous hope from this one verse. There's these two amazing benefits that come from openly confessing things about ourselves, bringing things into the light that need to be. First, he says, you know, we've get, we get freedom from, from sin. The blood of Jesus purifies us. And we get, we get fellowship with one another. Truth, walking in the light, living openly, it builds trust and fellowship. When we're honest with each other, we can actually have a rich and meaningful relationship with each other. And then one more thing a closed life does is it violates good judgment. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Basically, it's saying to isolate yourself is kind of crazy to do that. Actually, one, one of the top Google searches in 2021 from last year was how, do you, how to be happy alone. There was a lot of isolation. And people were trying to figure out how, how, do I, how do I still have a happy life even though I am alone? You can try it. And maybe there's periods in life where maybe you are in an isolating situation, but to voluntarily live isolated, living in your own world, in your own head for too long, that doesn't lead to good things. As Proverbs says it, it it breaks out against sound judgment. But, you know, that question comes to mind. Okay, what if I am open, but what if I, I choose to open up, but I get burned again? Maybe that's happened to you. If, if you've had a negative experience with expressing yourself and then it came back to you, well, first of all, take your time on, on this heart attitude. Because on a, on a really good day, trust takes a long time to build. It's really easy to break. 
But even if there's been hurt, sometimes trust takes even longer to build. And that's really why we're looking at all of the heart attitudes, a, a huge summary of New Testament, Testament commands about how to live. All of, all of these values are really essential to be operating. This why this series we're going through is so important. So I'd encourage you, if you've been hurt, stick with us through this whole series to understand really how to a fully healthy community is supposed to relate. And we don't do it perfectly here. <laughs> uh, sometimes there's, uh, there's dips or there's mistakes or sin that needs to get cleared up. But we are very focused on specifically intentionally living out community God's way. And uh, if, if there is hurt in the past, from the past, I, I really don't think the best solution is I'm just never going to trust anybody again. Because isolation really doesn't work out in the long run. This is a place, Valley Lights is a church where you can be known over time. You can really be known here. And if you are, people can relate to the real you. It's possible to be a part of our church. You can be here for years, but never be known really. A person could maybe come and dive in. Or, or, or attend and participate, but then leave hurt and sad because they never really made a meaningful connection. But maybe, and, and maybe they feel like, no one really cares about me here. But if there wasn't true and genuineness, uh, openness and honesty and integrity about who the person is, maybe this whole time we were trying to relate to the false version of the person and we had no idea. The main thing here is not to pretend to be someone we're not. Over time, if we choose to have a closed-off approach to life, we, would, we'll, we'll be lonely. Let me give you another story about how being open in the right way, at the right pace and the right time, actually helps a relationship get much richer and stronger. But you hear from Jackie, who's a part of our church as well. So take a listen to this. In living out heart attitude number two, um, I had a situation with a roommate at one point that um, I was really trying to use heart attitude number one of um, putting others above myself and serving and things like that. Um, but I started to feel a little bit of a rub relationally, um, like in the way that we were relating to each other, there were some things that were a little bit frustrating for me. And it started to get to the point to where um, I wasn't able to like joyfully serve her um, because of that frustration and after talking to a mentor who helped me realize that it really wasn't about heart attitude number one it was heart attitude number two that I was actually struggling with of being open and honest with the fact that I was frustrated I wasn't really addressing it I just was feeling it and feeling that kind of frustration and so after it uh, being brought to light to me that it's actually being open and honest that I really need to address. And um, I was able to have a conversation with my roommate and just kind of let her know where I was at and, um, you know, relationally the things that were frustrating me a little bit. Um, and through that conversation, it was received really well. She didn't know that she was doing certain things. And then it also led to her feeling um, open also that she was able to share some frustrations that I had done that I also didn't realize. And so it was a really healthy conversation 
of just kind of where we're both at and how we can be better roommates to each other um, through being honest and how we relate to each other in our household. And so um, it was really helpful. And at the end of it, we both felt relieved. We both felt like we knew each other more and we both felt like we were able to like move forward in a like stronger relationship because we chose to have that difficult conversation and uh, a little bit of uh, conflict in order to get to a resolution where we can move forward and have a healthier dynamic moving forward. It's a really encouraging story from Jackie and uh, really the impact that being open has and, and bringing a lot of strength and unity to our people. So if we are gonna be open, how does, how does that really look? One question is, how much do I tell about what's going on inside of me or who I really am? And there's a spectrum because sometimes people, of course, are too private and they just give off the impression, I've got it all together, I'm good, no challenges here, no struggles, don't ask me about anything deep personal because it's just gonna bounce right off. And then some people are too open and they just, they, they'll, they, it's, uh, it's too much information. Maybe they just go on about talking about other people's information and gossiping about that or they talk about how awful life is all the time and you're like, ah, I'm stuck in this conversation or maybe they dump about their problems. It's too, it's too open, <laughs> too open. So really one thing with this issue of openness is to be discreet, to have discretion. Actually, the Bible is big on discretion. Having discretion is choosing what to talk about in an appropriate way. What to say and how to do it appropriately. There's a number of verses we've got listed on our handout here, but not all the information that we have should be shared with others. This is often the case, maybe about private matters in my life or certain business or uh, maybe, maybe you might hear some information. It's really tempting to blab it to everyone. Proverbs 15.2 says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. Being too open or blurting things out or gushing about information, that's not good. That's not, that's not encouraged. We do need to think about this issue of discretion. When's the right time to share this information and how, who should I say it to? How much? We really do want to be faithful with the information that's been entrusted to us. So sometimes we share, sometimes we hold back, and if we hold back info, it isn't necessarily hiding things. So discretion is different than deception because deception wants to disguise the truth and to make people think that the situation is actually different than it really is. Where discretion wants to speak an appropriate amount of truth in the right way. So when is it appropriate for me to share really deeply personal matters. If I'm, if I'm not supposed to gush about everything personal to everybody all the time, what, when should I share? Here's, here's a, a guideline you might consider. One, one time to share deeply personal matters is when I'm facing challenges and I need uh, prayer support from others. You know, sometimes we go through difficult things and it's not good to go through them alone. Could be a sickness or a tragedy or um, an emotional problem. Um, there was a number of times when, in the uh, period of having kids, Aaron and I had miscarriages, and um, some of them were earlier and some of them were much later. And the amount of devastation and grief um, varied at different points depending on our journey. And so we had let people in on that, and it for the for the more intense and severe 
difficulty in that journey that we had. Um, it was amazing to have people coming around us and supporting us, um, being, being supporting us in really practical ways by, by giving you know gifts or food or support or meals or prayer or hugs. And it was actually a pretty life-changing experience for me to receive some love from people during a really difficult time. And if we would have withheld the information, we would have grieved alone in that process. It would have been a very different experience for us. So that's one time to share personally. Another is when God prompts me to share something difficult. So maybe, maybe I've got a struggle that nobody knows about, or I've got something from the past that's really blocking me from moving forward, or I'm stuck on something, or maybe I need to confess something. And there's times when God seems to be putting his thumb on that thing, that spot, and I'm like, ooh, I gotta be, I've gotta come, I gotta come out. I gotta bring something into the light. Um, that can be really difficult, and it, if it is a sensitive matter, it does certainly require discretion. You might even ask a mature believer for help in knowing how, how do I how do I how do I go about processing a difficult matter like this. And then third, a time to share deeply personal matters is when I'm stuck. Man, I've got I'm about to pull my hair out because of my kids, and parenting is really hard. Or Finances is a struggle and I'm buried in debt. Or marriage is just, it's coming apart or I've got discouragement. There's struggles where we just, we're stuck. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go next. And uh, for me personally, when I hit those moments, and I've hit plenty of them, um, I've got some guys to reach out to. In fact, even over the course of starting this church, there was key moments of discouragement where I would, I didn't really want to, but I would... (laughs) text and reach out for prayer and then ask, let people know that I was walking through. Beyond those different examples of sharing, there's other things that could guide the way that we speak openly. Um, so in what ways should I speak openly? Uh, in Proverbs, it says, the heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. It adds learning to his speech. Meaning, we got we to think about what comes out of our mouth. We, we, don't, we don't just say anything. We've got to guide our mouths, select what comes out, and put our words on a leash. One way to put our words on a leash is to determine only to say what is helpful. This is an example of a leash. That's um, actually a really, it's a great guideline. Look at Ephesians 4.29. This is, actually you might not even want to know this verse because it's really challenging. <laughs> it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. This verse is the great guideline for all of our speech. It's saying, guide all of your words. No careless words allowed. Everything we say needs to be crafted so that it helps and blesses and benefits the people that are hearing and listening to our words. How many times have you broken this command? Oh man, I couldn't even possibly imagine to count how many times I've said things that weren't building others up. That's a good guide. Another way to put our words on a leash is to be saying things that are kind. Proverbs says, There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We really do have a way of damaging, inflicting wounds on people so easily with our words, almost as painful as a, as a sword. We can choose to say things that are kind. And as 
This requires great self-control and restraint and tension, uh, but being kind is, is critical. Also, we say what's fitting. There's this really interesting verse. Uh, fitting is, kind of means like appropriate. And it's another way of looking at this idea of discretion. <laughs> Look at this verse. Like a gold ring in a, pig's, in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Now, pigs are dirty and they can be ugly. And even a shiny gold ring couldn't dress up the looks of a pig if they're all covered in mud and warts and all that. <clears throat> and so that, that image of a, of a dirty pig, even a gold ring can't help it out. It's kind of like a woman, even if she's a beautiful woman, if she's sharing too much information, if she has no discretion, she's just going on about something, the whole situation, you can't dress that up. You can't cover that up. It's just, it's out of place. Another way to put our words on a leash is to be accurate, but general sometimes. When we say what's accurate, we're, we're giving a good impression of what's really going on or what's gone on. Um, another verse, a prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. And so maybe you have known people who just gush and they share everything. It's, it's TMI. It's, it's content that we really shouldn't know about right now. Um, sometimes we can make our conversation appropriate to the level of the conversation. So for example, if someone says, hey, how's it going? And then we go into health issues or sleep issues or details about my boss, um, it, can, it, can, it, can be, it can be more than people were bargaining for. <laughs> um, maybe I say, they say, how's it going? And I say, boy, it's rough, but you wouldn't want to know about that. I'm like, okay, like, um, well, go on and tell me about it then. Or, you know, a contrast would be saying, you know, it's, uh, it's going a little rough, but I am pressing on. That's true. I'm not giving a false impression, but people don't necessarily feel obligated. I, it doesn't need to be exhaustive. I don't need to give all the details about what's going on. There's different depths of conversation where, um, you, know, you know, if you imagine different parts of the body, you know, there's conversation where it's just, Surfacey, mouth to mouth. You know, hello language, hello, how you doing, how's it going? Um, head to head would be another deeper level where maybe I'm sharing what I really think about things or my ideas or my opinions. And that, that requires a certain level of trust because I'm not really sure what you think or this could get kind of dicey. We need to trust each other. And then the deepest level would be heart to heart. This requires the deepest amount of trust because now I'm sharing what really moves me, how I'm really doing or feeling about things or what's really going on inside. And so we don't want to take things at the heart-to-heart -heart level and move them up into a relationship where, where we're really just communicating on the mouth-to-mouth -mouth level. So we don't have to be exhaustive, but we do need to be accurate without going into great detail. And then finally, one more detail is uh, one way to guide our words is to not be transparent, but to be open, to question. Living an honest, open life is a really good thing, but I wouldn't encourage transparency. Transparency is when I, I fully disclose everything. Every person that I come across, what if I told everybody exactly what I was thinking, all, all of what I was thinking in that moment? I think that's pretty stupid. <laughs> that's not a good idea. The Bible doesn't encourage us to be open books to every person that asks for it. 
So, you know, we, we don't deceive or trick people, but we give true statements. The big issue is integrity. Is the person that I'm presenting on the outside, does that reasonably match the person who I really am on the inside? People aren't relating to a false version of me. So this idea of being open to question, that means some people can ask questions of me. There are some relationships for me personally that I've gone to a deeper level of trust and um, I let those people gain a much more open picture of those deeper parts of my life. On stage or you know, in this setting that you're listening to, I've shared a lot of stories about my life or my kids or my marriage, but you know, there's details about, let's say, my marriage that are really private. And there's some things that I'm not gonna share publicly. But I do have men that I know that will check in on me on my marriage or other deeply personal parts of my life. And they do. Um, if, if, a, you know, if one of my mentors thinks I'm giving them the runaround, then if they really want to know the whole story, they can go and ask Aaron and get, get all the information. <laughs> I've really given permission to them and then actually have invited this. Over the past decade in particular, there's one mentor couple in particular that uh, my wife and I, we share routinely and very personally about how it's going in our marriage. And uh, sometimes we've done that couple to couple or, you know, me with him or the ladies together. But this mentor couple, they really have gotten to know us and they know the deep struggles and have helped us with a lot of that. So this idea of openness, it's not, it's not that I'm an open book to everybody about everything. I'm not airing all my dirty laundry for everyone to see, but really that I have discretion with integrity. This is a very different way of living for most people because it's really hard. Most of my life growing up and teenage years and in my 20s, I was like a clamshell. If you wanted to get information out of me, you'd have to use a pry bar. And even then, it'd probably break. But man, when I began to just share openly, invite people in, give information, ask for help, man, what a difference. Not only did I get help, but my friendships deepened to a level I, I didn't even know was possible. If you are a Christ follower, reflect for a minute about the growth that you've seen in your life over the past few years. There may be a really big connection between how much you've grown and how much you've been known by others at church. Or maybe, maybe if you're not really growing or if you're kind of stuck, check out this area. Am I known? Do people know who I am? And so you might take a next step. Maybe one thing you'd like to do is, okay, I need to identify somebody at church that I can share some personal matters with. Think through that. Identify who that person is. Then maybe you might like to share a struggle that you're facing with a mature believer. Or maybe you want to bring something into the light that you've been hiding. Maybe something has come to mind during this time and you think, oh, I don't want to do that, but I know I need to bring it into the light. And then another next step might be to memorize Ephesians 4.29. That is that great guideline for speech. It actually keeps us on track through, all, avoid all kinds of blunders when it comes to talking and opening up. Last week, we looked at heart attitude number one, put the goals and interests of others above my own. That We looked at that one first because that's a prerequisite for this kind of honesty and openness to grow in our community here. Because let's face it, you're not going to be open, and you should be open, if there's a group of people that are only looking out for themselves. That's a recipe for getting hurt. 
But if, instead, if we, if we first develop a strong pattern of serving one another, helping each other, genuinely being for each other, sacrificing the way that Jesus did, man, that makes all the difference. If you haven't heard that first message on heart attitude number one or last week's message on honesty, uh, go ahead and, and review those. Track with us as we go through this series to gain a bigger picture of the culture, the whole culture we're trying to create that really honors God. This week, these, this week was live an honest, open life before others. And let me give you some encouragement here. People are encouraged by your weaknesses. I don't know if you've ever heard a leader or a speaker or, or somebody share a story about their failure. And uh, when, when I, anytime I've heard one of, one of the people that I really respect share a story of their failure, I think, wow, they're normal. They're regular people. If, if they struggle, then there's hope for me because I know I do. It's the, it doesn't work so well when people get up there and, and they just start, they act like Mary Poppins. You know, if you, if you watch that with your kids or as a kid, she was practically perfect in every way. That's what, that's what they wrote about her. She had no current struggles, no challenges. It's hard to relate to a person like that. So, you know, you might be able to help people with your strengths, but you can really encourage people with your weaknesses. So I pray that an atmosphere of honesty and openness, really integrity, characterizes our community here. On Sunday mornings, we all wear name tags, and that, that's kind of like the first step in being known. We want to know you. We want to know each other. We want to remember each other's names. And it might begin, this, this knowing one another might begin on Sundays, but there will be some limitations, really big limitations on your spiritual growth if Sunday morning and a name tag is as far as you're willing to go in being known. So when hard things come your way, share early. Don't blab, but don't hide the struggles. That way people can be praying and can really support you. Be willing for legitimate questions to be asked about your life by people that can be trusted. Why not be known here at Valley Lights? It works at church, certainly, but man, it really works in marriage. This works in your career. This really is how you build friendships. This is a way to enjoy real, genuine connection with other people. It actually might surprise you how helpful and refreshing it can be to be known by others. Next week, we're going to look at the next heart attitude. And I'm really excited about it because sometimes we do things in life where we just totally shipwreck a relationship. And if I look back in my life, there are moments when uh, I've got some regret about how I handled a friendship or a family relationship. And this next heart attitude allows us to avoid the iceberg before crashing into it. How, how can we see the thing before we do some major damage? It's such a life-giving practice in our relationship. So I really hope you'll join us next week. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the light that you allow us to walk into. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as the light and as the truth and the way for true life to flow. And there'll be tremendous openness and light when we get to heaven. But in the meantime, we still battle and struggle with darkness. And I pray that you would help us to step and walk into the light, to truth with one another. I pray that you would allow us also to have the wisdom and discretion needed to guide the way that we share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.